Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hi, I'm Susan from Safeway. Are you ready for a road trip? You can save on gas by shopping at Safeway. It's easy. Shop at Safeway and earn gas reward points. Then save up to 20 cents per gallon at participating Chevron or Texaco stations or up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations. That's right, up to $1 per gallon at Safeway stations just for shopping with us. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Limited to 25 gallons in a single fill of other restrictions and exclusions apply. Visit store or Safeway.com for details. This is Susan from Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Recording live from Jake's Sports and Spirits in the historic Rhino District of Denver, Colorado, it's the Pickaxe Podcast, presented by Denver Stiffs. Now, here is your host, Adam Mates. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Pickaxe Podcast presented by Denver Stiffs. I am your host, Adam Mates, recording this podcast live tonight from 3800 Walnut Street in Rhino District of Denver, Colorado. We'll also be back here on Thursday for Stiffs Night Out and the NBA Draft that begins at 530 at uh, Jake Sports and Spirits. And there will be food and drink specials, happy hour specials going on for the entirety of the NBA Draft. If you've never been to one of our Stiffs Night Outs, they're a lot of fun. Usually get 50 to 150 Denver Nuggets fans all together in one place cheering on the Nuggets and excited to talk about whatever happens on draft night. I think there's going to be a lot of trades, a lot of interesting picks, guys falling, very unpredictable draft. So come come and join us for Stiffs Night Out and meet some other Nuggets fans. I'm joined tonight by Andy Feinstein, the big stiff himself, and sadly, as I expected would happen this summer as we're launching a brand new podcast, we had some technical difficulties and unfortunately lost about 20 minutes of the podcast um, the first half. So we do have some great Denver Nuggets draft talk, and we have some uh, NBA Finals talk uh, that fortunately was salvaged. So we're going to jump right into the middle of that. Thanks a bunch for listening. I do, and this is a technical thing about uh, about the finals and how it went. But I do want to bring it up. I, I don't have much interest you'll have, but but maybe some of the the listeners will will have interest. I I did breakdowns for ViceSports.com, and I watched every game three times. Sometimes I watched them in super slow motion because that, that's, that's that's how much I was trying to get into the details and the, and the meat of what was going on on the court. But here's one of the things I theorized for the last two years, and I think I might have been wrong on about the evolution of the game. I've, I've argued that the game was moving towards more and more ball movement and more and more guys who were able to finish plays one through five. You think about a lot of teams, you have the big center, Rudy Gobert. He's not going to finish anything except for a dunk. You don't pass him the ball, swing him, and expect him to do anything. The Warriors changed that because there was just this extreme ball movement, and that was half the equation. The other half was they switched things one through five. Draymond Green can play point guard on defense. He can play center on defense, and they have a one through four that can kind of switch. One, you know, Harrison Barnes can guard point and guard four. They did that, and they were unique that they could switch like that. And for a year, they just torched the league. Two years, they torched the league like that. 
the Thunder did the exact same thing this year. Mm-hmm. Steven Adams is a seven-foot Draymond Green defensively in that he stepped out on Curry and shut him down several times, especially early in the series. The, the, you know, the, the Warriors made it past them. The, the, the Cavs, who don't even have the talent to do that, they switched everything. And they and they rolled with it, and it was and it's kind of interesting because I think the the the, the everything kind of it's like a pendulum going back and forth, and ball movement was dominating the league. The finals were dominated by isolation. The the Warriors, the all the the cutting and passing and ball movement that they had was mitigated by the fact that the, the Cavs said we're going to switch everything too. And I wonder, that's kind of the, the when I look back and think about what will this year, what what am I most excited about next year? It's are all teams going to start trying to switch one through five? Even if they don't have the personnel, even if you have Kevin Love, does it make more sense rather than to have guys trying to run around the court and, and help and recover and this and that, just say switch it? If you get stuck on an island, we'll send you help. Yeah, I mean, look how many times Curry ended up on LeBron. Right. right? It yeah. happened a lot. Yes. So, and, and LeBron took advantage of it because he's a great isolation so player. This, let me ask you this. Does this argue for, as the Nuggets go into a draft with three draft picks, that forget, don't worry about your one, your two, your three, your four, and your five. They mean nothing? Just get five athletes out there and switch around? I think it's that, and I think it's length on defense. And this is one of the issues, it, not issues, because I, I love Gary Harris. I hate when I say I have issues with him. It's one of my fears about him is he's 6'3". I'm 6'5". I always size myself yeah, up to these guys. Me too. He's 6'3", going on 6'2". Right. Um, and I just wonder, is he going to be a guy that we can play that style of defense with? Because every time he gets switched on the 6'8 guy, they just go down the post, turn around, and shoot on well, him. Well, so I made it. I was on the radio on sun, s- Saturday talking to some guys who know a lot more about college basketball than me. And I asked him, does Denzel Valentine, being a Michigan State guy, being a five-tool player, for lack of a better word, yeah. in basketball, does he compare to Draymond Green, a Michigan State guy, undersized, five-tool player, slipped into the second round? And they said, Draymond's a lot bigger. Right. That's what they said. Longer arms. And longer arms, Physically yep. taller. Just bigger. And strong as an ox. Yeah. That guy, I don't... So I don't know if, you know, Denzel... But here, I look at Denzel Valentine and forget the fact that Michigan State totally choked in the first round and screwed up my bracket. I do look at a guy that had seasoned experience at a university that has produced very good NBA players, right? Solid NBA players. And is that someone that you could plug in at literally four positions? Can Denzel Valentine play four positions in the NBA? He might be. And I've heard that about him. That's one of the things I thought about him is he does have the length and size. So that's, if you're that's, the Nuggets at 15 or 19, do you take I, a shot there? I'm, I'm excited for that direction of basketball because that's my favorite style of basketball. I was a big guy. I'm 6'5". I right. played the post and, you know, growing up and stuff. And one of the things I always hated, I always resented, was coaches saying, you're a post guy. Your job is to go rebound. Course, course. You know, you catch the ball on the perimeter. You should just pass it to a guy. I hated that because I always w- wanted to develop my skills. So I'm 6'5", too, but I grew five inches after I graduated high school. That's like the perfect combo. So, so you got to I learned how to dri- – I was just never a good shooter. I just couldn't shoot. But I was a very good passer. I was a very good dribbler being a, an undersized guy and suddenly becoming 6'5". Right. So uh, the guy whose game I always looked at, and I'm not saying I'm in his league, <laughs> not, was Boris Dia. <laughs> I mean, Boris oh, Diaz yeah. is like a 6'9 guy Absolutely. who's always passing it, setting screens, and rebounding it, and rarely shoots. And that's kind of who I played like. I just, I just One uh, of my ten favorite players of yeah. all time, actually. Yeah. So I love Boris Diaz. And then this last one, you can give me a yes or no, the last trend of the season. Can we kill the narrative that the NBA is too buddy-buddy? Um, because this finals and this yeah. conference finals had a lot of bad blood. I loved the smack talk. <laughs> I loved game six. When LeBron swatted the heck out of Curry's shot and stared him down and said, basically, mother, you know what? You don't belong in Cleveland. Get the hell out of here. I thought that was great. Um, Now, that may be a generational thing. So I don't know if, like, LeBron is boys with Mello, Wade, and Bosh because that's their generation. He absolutely is. And maybe Curry is boys with, you know, 
whoever came along with his generation, back to what we talked about earlier about Curry and Clay Thompson growing up very differently. Right. And guys like... And that's a big part of it, too. Is that a big part of it? Is there a little bit of a, you know, and even Kevin Love, right? Is there a little bit of a, a second-generation NBA guy versus the straight-up street kid who got there on his own? I think there, there's a lot to that. If you look at LeBron's biography, it matches up more with Wade and Mello Correct. and Bosch. They came from tough neighborhoods, tough environments, got themselves to, well, not LeBron, but those other three got themselves to elite universities and played very well, and those four came into the NBA together, um, whereas maybe Curry and Thompson, being second generation, are kind of more kindred spirits. But they're, right. also, they're also teammates, but you know what I mean. I think there's a lot to, to that. Me, Draymond but... probably, generation, uh, Draymond, at least in terms of background, is probably some, more similar you, to LeBron. Do you think LeBron hates Draymond? I was trying to think of this the other because I said yes, and then I stopped and thought, I don't know if he does. No, I don't think so. I think he hates him on the court. He hates him on the court, but I think LeBron, and maybe I'm putting myself We're in, projecting here. We, projecting we don't know. Here, but I have to believe that LeBron, being a student of the game, has a hell of a respect for every one of those guys. Yeah. I mean, look how he respects Matthew Dellavedova. Yeah. You know, look how he respects Richard Jefferson. Look Man, how he did you read the Richard Jefferson Players Tribune article? Did you see no, that? I missed it. Oh, my goodness. I mean, just raving about LeBron oh, okay. what an incredible guy he was and best teammate he's ever had. He would never had seen anybody that sticks up for his teammates. Like, it was just an incredible, right. incredible thing. You'll have to check it out. Very, um, Richard Jefferson, a very articulate, interesting guy. Very Always interesting guy. And SB Nation, our parent company at Denver Stiffs, had a terrific video today. They were showing Richard Jefferson's many years of heartbreak on every level. Yeah. They didn't even include the 04 Olympics <laughs> when he lost and got the bronze. He and was that, on that team, yeah. Huh? And oh, now he wow. finally gets to win a championship and retire. And by the way, Richard Jefferson had a lot to do with him winning. Uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. He had a phenomenal one. So let's move. Let's wrap this up with some Nuggets talk because we do have a very exciting week, and we're going to have a lot of Nuggets coverage on DenverStiffs.com. We're going to have some podcasts and some breakdowns of everything that. All the exciting stuff that's going to happen, but I want to, rather than talk about the draft, because we have a lot of draft coverage, there's a lot of draft stuff we have up on the site, I want to just talk big picture stuff about the Nuggets, because for me personally, this is a top three or four Nuggets year for me. I really enjoyed this year, and I know the fans weren't top there. Top three or four Nuggets year? And, and it's, it tells you're way, too, I think you're it tells, way too young. Well, I think it tells something about, actually, about my personality, and that is, there wasn't any pressure on the Nuggets this year. You know, as I'm watching this finals, and obviously I have a rooting interest in Cleveland, as fun as it was... It was equal parts too nerve-wracking for me to, to have too much fun. I mean, right now it feels great, but but the experience of it. And with the Nuggets, you kind of got to sit back and not care night in, night out if they win or lost and just kind of enjoy the progress of these players. So there was a, there was a, an, a, an enjoyment that came out of this season that, that can't be replicated. And then that light, taking, taking that, what I just said, I'm guessing you feel the same way at least a little bit. Um, is the honeymoon phase over for this iteration or – this next year, are you going to feel more so so anxiety? Funny, yeah, so it's so funny. So, <clears throat> you know, casual sports fans, casual Nuggets fans grill me on this all the time. They're like, how can you watch this team? They've been so crappy for three straight years. And to me, the you cannot tarnish last season with the same brush of the Brian Shaw seasons, yeah. which were horrible. Of course. It's not Michael Malone's fault. It's not Emmanuel Moutier's fault. It's not Nikola Jokic's fault. It's really not Will Barton's fault that they were so bad, not just in terms of win and losses, but just physically watching them was awful for two years. So to me, last year was year one, right? And if, that's, if, you, if you agree with me there, Absolutely, then yeah. Michael Malone, who I really like, 
and I thought did a great job of instilling a better culture here, gets another honeymoon season, in my opinion. What if the Nuggets, you know, bring back largely the same team? They bring in one or two new draft picks, and they win 33 games next that's year. That's what I'm talking about. Do and you think that's cool? It's all gravy. I don't know you. if it's cool. I, I, you know, I'd almost rather them win three games than 33 games or 43 <laughs> games, right? Yeah. Um, but I do think that, uh, I, you know, in defense of the fans who are frustrated, the 17-18 season, they better change their damn uniforms that year. <laughs> every year they change their uniforms, they make the playoffs after an absence. That's okay? right. Four straight uniform changes. And we get Nike, too, right? Four straight uniform changes. Really? 17-18, you got to make the playoffs. Okay. Or there's going to have to be some accountability of who's running this. And, I, and I'm right there with you, actually. I feel the same way. I do I do have a little bit different perspective because I don't I don't want them to push for the playoffs. That's not the that's not the bar for me for, for with the that. Nuggets. I agree with that. But I do think my expectations change in this regard. I'm going to judge Mike Malone a little differently next year. I'm going to judge Emmanuel Moutier a little differently next year. I'm going to judge Nikola Jokic, Yusuf Nurkic. All these guys are going to be graded a little bit differently um, and a little bit more critically. Now, I'm not going to, you know, Jokic has to make an all-star game. There's nothing like that. But I do want to see some. I, I am going to start yeah. say, pointing out some more of their flaws. Emmanuel Moutier better play for 82 games the way he played the last 15 to 20, yeah. right? Uh, Nikola Jokic, uh, same thing. Yeah, it's not 14 and 8 anymore. Now it's 16 and 10 or whatever it is. They've got to upgrade their games. And uh, and, and the Nuggets at some point get off this injury excuse, all yeah. right? Then trade Wilson Chandler. Trade Gallinari. They get injured. That's what they do. That's what Wilson Chandler and right. Daniel Gallinari do. They get injured. They always get injured. Still love both of them. I do too, but they always get injured. So at some point, you got to either stick with those guys and take the punches that come with them, which is missed games, or move off of them. And we talked about players and we talked about coaches. And the one thing I wonder, and I, I really hope to have some of the front office members on, the, on this podcast sometime later in the summer. Uh, I probably will. We actually almost had one of them on a little bit ago, but the scheduling conflict came in. Um, I wonder if they feel more pressure. They just got the renewal uh, of their contract. I'm very happy for that. I think they've done a great job of this first phase of the rebuild. But I wonder if next year, trade deadline, there's a little bit more pressure to pull the trigger and, and move into phase two and phase three of this rebuild. Um, and it'll just be kind of an interesting thing. Um, last, we're going to wrap it up with this one. I'm very excited to ask you. You're a brand expert. You've yeah. created a brand with your with, with Exto and, and with tracks and, and with a lot of different that's, that's just that, but a lot of different things. You, you you have great ideas with brand. And one of the things I'm taken by was how Philadelphia fans, not all of them, but a section of Philadelphia fans really bought in to trust the process. Yeah. I mean, it became a thing where we're bad, but we're having so much fun because yeah. we have this whole brand thing. They, had. they won ten games last year, but you know what? Though I mean, if you look at uh, Liberty Ballers' site, uh, and, and there's some other bloggers and writers around and fan bases, they were they were all in on trusting the process and just it was a, it was an experiment, and they were buying in. But it was also By a way, brand. Real quick on that, I think it's bullshit that Sam Hinkie got fired. <laughs> he he, this was his idea. Ownership bought into it, and now they bring in the Colangelo father-son dynamo team, and they're going to get all the credit because everything from here on out is going to be upside. And they won the number one pick. Right. I mean, yeah, there's bullshit. Me. Don't start me on that. And then you think about the Nuggets. What was the most popular Nuggets team in the last 15 years? 15 years. Most popular, not the best. I understand that. The most popular Nuggets I think it's team. hands down easy. The last 15 years, it was either the 0304 team which was Melo's rookie right. year, and they made the playoffs right. after a long absence. Very popular. That was just a really popular team. But it's, how do you not say 08-09? I mean, I know I think it, was, it, was, it also happened to be the best team, but Chauncey Billups, leading that was, the, Birdman, had, Dante Jones, the Lunch Pail guys, 
leading the team to the I'm conference finals. I'm not asking you personally. This is a broad thing. J.R. Smith, the one-man comeback. If if you're if you when because we run the site, we have new I people coming in say. all the I time. I know what you're going to say. It's you're absolutely. Say, you're going to say it's 012, 013. Oh no, not at all. Really? I don't think that team was actually that popular at all. It's 06 through 08. Allen Iverson, Iverson, Carmelo Anthony, J.R. Smith, Kenyon Martin. And I'll tell you what, we have so many Denver Stiffs readers. We have so many people in Europe and Australia and all over that say, I like the, the Nuggets are my team. Because How did you AI. find them? Because, because AI, AI, Melo, J.R. Smith, no, Kenyon I Martin, I love those yeah. guys. The Thuggets. And that was a brand, too, because that had an identity and yeah. an image to it. And, of course, it helped well, out that they so followed lived, that up yeah, by so making I the lived in fun. L.A. I lived in L.A. from 98 to 08. Uh, I actually created the website while I was still living in L.A., but I started moving back to Denver. I lived in Denver half of the year in 2009 and then full-time in 2010. Um, and you have to put yourself in the perspective of living in L.A. during the height of Kobe Shaq, the demolition of Kobe Shaq, and the rebirth of Kobe Powell. And that's the teams that the Nuggets had to go up against throughout that era. Yeah. And um, I will tell you, in L.A., all of the anti-Lakers people in L.A., and there's plenty of them because the Lakers are so annoying. Yeah, they're the worst. And love that Nuggets team. They loved it. They love the tattoos. They love yes. the grit. They love the, uh, the Iverson counterculturalness yes, of absolutely. not just Iverson, but even bleeding into oh, yeah. it was all of Chauncey it was, yeah. and okay. and Jr. Yeah. So um, and I was gonna ask you know I thought about writing and I, I wish I had done it. I wrote my article and I want to get something up. I thought it was important. I think it's always important when something earth shattering happens in the basketball world to relate it to the Nuggets, which I did. But after I slept on my article, I thought I should have written about. What effect did the 0809 Nuggets have on this championship? Because J.R. Smith had been through some wars as a Nugget in the postseason. Yeah. And frankly, so had Dante Jones, yeah. who in the few minutes he got in this NBA Finals was a superstar. Was he on the team that year? Yes, he was. He, he was. was. Starting two guard. Uh, you know, I was so happy to see how many P- Nuggets fans were tweeting about Dante Jones when he made it in Dante for two, Jones, two minutes Smith, of the NBA Finals. And then JR, I tweeted it out in Game 7. J.R. Smith, they, the Cavs were down uh, 7. Oh, man. He went and on he a one-man a big run. two and a big three, and all of a sudden they're down two. And it's uh, like the one-man comeback. Uh, yeah, it was, it was amazing. But what, the thing I wanted to ask you is... The Nuggets have a lot of international players. The guys that are projected to go in their range this year, Buddy Heald, Timothy yeah. Mwawu, yeah. Furkan Korkmaz, uh, you know, a handful of other ones. Bender. If, if, now you, Brent Bender. Now, you take the best the player bonus. available. You take the best player, right? You don't, you, don't, you don't take somebody just to go for an image. But if you have a couple guys that are kind of similar, is there value in the Nuggets branding themselves as an international team and maybe running with it and just marketing – Marketing the heck out of that and grabbing some of the European I market. don't think there is. Okay. And here's why. The Raptors did that. Okay. When Brian Colangelo took over the Raptors, he gave them an international brand. They had a lot of international players. And the problem with that strategy is uh, American-born players no longer consider Toronto a viable destination. Ooh. They didn't want to play there. Okay. And it backfired. Well, that's and where the, we're at already. With so Denver. when Masai <laughs> got there, one of the first things he did was he unwound that myth that you have to be an international player to fit in in Toronto. Ah, that's interesting. And so I, I, I would be hesitant to do that. Yeah, I think, and I think you're right about that. I think the, the Denver front office probably has what concerns. you're saying. I mean, if you're from middle of the nowhere, you know, Serbia, or middle of nowhere, Croatia, or middle of nowhere, Turkey. You're a fan of the Nuggets. And you're in Denver. I mean, you know, <laughs> hey, Denver's a great place. Uh, I've always questioned Danilo Gallinari. How he could go from being a very good-looking Italian guy in New York <laughs> and coming here, how he possibly could be happy. I've yeah. never understood that. Well, apparently not. You know, there were some of the rumors about certain members of the basketball, the Nuggets team, saying Denver was a boring town and, and what have you. That's unfortunate. But I don't know. I kind of like I, 
uh, Luau was a guy I'm actually fascinated by. I just there's there's a lot to yeah. him. Uh, Corkmaz, there's another. He's another guy that I'm kind of interested in. So if those guys came here and our team got even more international, I would be okay with it. Just because I think, heck, it's something. I mean, yeah. uh, it, it'll be fun. It'll be fun all year. Hey, to Chad interview Ford's these guys. predicting three for three all Euros. Who is Chad Ford? Is for really the three for three. You know, I feel like that's He's projecting kind of... Bender at 7, uh, Ferkman at 15, and some guy from Croatia I've never heard of at 19. Well, it is funny because so many of these mock drafts say, I think Denver's going to go with, you know, Luau because they like foreign guys. And it's like, is that really the only criteria that you're And Tim Connolly will tell you that even though they have expert, expert yeah. scouting over there, it's no science. Right. And uh, Nurkic and Jokic and Laverne, to a lesser extent, have made them look really smart, but it's no science. Right. Um, well, that's all. I'm excited. Anything else you want to say about the Nuggets in particular? Because it's no, going to be an exciting tell, week. You know, I hope our listeners get here on Thursday here at Jake Sports and Spirits, 5 o'clock. We're going to see who the Nuggets draft. We're going to hang out for the first round. I can't promise I'll make it through the second round, but I'll definitely be here for the first <laughs> round. And uh, join us. Let's get some good stiffs karma going the Nuggets way. I am of the opinion, because we have so many international guys, that I want to see a guy who kicked ass in college. And I think Jamal Murray, Buddy healed. Call me old school. Jamal Murray's falling because I thought he was a three, four, yeah. five guy, and now people are starting to say he's five, six, seven. Right, so well, there's a chance for it. There's Let's always have it. a chance. Um, all right, thanks a lot, Andy. Fun podcast, fun chat with you. We'll have another one probably later in this week. All right, yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions.